Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Riverfront. This is episode number 443 of the World's oh, Most Dangerous so Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me again. Slightly more dangerous than me, it's Nate Dotson. How are you, Nate? Chad, I'm doing pretty well. Thank you for asking. I, uh, I, I tweaked my back in the gym a little bit today. Nothing too bad. Don't worry about me. But, you know, I play through the pain. I still show up for the games. Asking coach to put me in, I'm just that kind of player. So let's do wow. this. Yeah, you. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the the gamer attitude. Fantastic. Like different to bring it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and this is actually your second show of the week. For those of you that uh, follow the uh, YouTube channel or the podcast feed, you will know that uh, Nate and, and Joe Farsing debuted the Riverfront Bengals show uh, this week. It was fantastic. I urge you to go listen to that if you haven't already. Download it, uh, give it a like, subscribe, whatever. It's all it's the same channels you get get this show. You should be able to find that. So, looking forward to how that goes with the big uh, big Bengal season starting soon. But we're here to talk about the Cincinnati Reds, and I, I actually have to say, um, you know, we start this uh, show every week by like, oh, it's a bad year, you know. But and it, it's it's a it's a bad year. It's a bad year. Look, it's a bad year. But uh, this was actually sort of a fun week in some ways to uh, to watch this team and some fun things to talk about. I'm really kind of looking forward to it. Uh, just from the results perspective, the Reds took two out of three from the Colorado Rockies. And then, of course, uh, two out of three versus the Chicago Cubs today with uh, Alejo Lopez and Jonathan India coming through with clutch hits in the top of the ninth inning. And big Ian Jabot getting his first big league save. What a time to be alive. My goodness. Every time his name pops up, I get really confused and oddly excited. Yeah, I forget, I, mean, him. I forget about him between performances. I forget he yeah. exists. It's not seen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the guy whose name I refuse to learn how to pronounce. Maybe next year. <laughs> Ian, give me some time. But you're right. It's um, the Reds won a couple series uh, playing a decent random baseball. I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but somehow this team since their 3-22 and start is like only a couple games below 500 still, Great. even after trading off everybody. So it's not been, uh, you know, an exciting September from a, you know, competitive playoff run standpoint. But the guys aren't quitting. They're out there playing hard, and they're not making you regret turning on the TV screen most nights. And we still are turning it on for whatever reason. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, look, uh, who, who cares about the the bottom line at this point? But. Reds are just a game out of third place now. <laughs> so, you know, that's something to keep playing for. A game behind, of course, the uh, the Chicago Cubs for third place. And the have opened up a big Chicago Cubs. Exactly. Stupid Cubs. Um, and yeah. a full five and a half game lead over Pittsburgh uh, for last place. So, I mean, you know, let the train keep on rolling. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was talking about, obviously, the wins. I, like, I prefer the wins because if I'm going to watch the game, I would prefer if the uh, the red players win. But uh, there was also some kind of fun stuff. I, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I waxed poetic about the uh, Field of Dreams game, and I got a little gooey about baseball, and so, so half of you rolled your eyes. There he goes again. But um, we had one of those moments uh, this week, actually sort of two of those moments in the same game for me. Uh, the first I want to talk about is the legend of Spencer Steer. Have you ever heard of this guy? Um, I hadn't heard about him until an alleged haul 
He was part of the hall. Spencer Steer came over from the uh, Twins in the Tyler Malley trade, or as I saw on Sports Illustrated site uh, yesterday, Tommy Malley. Um, Did you know Sports Illustrated is still a thing? No, I had no idea. Yeah, so they're talking about Tommy Malley over there. But anyway, um, Spencer Steer, you know, a relatively well-regarded prospect, who a uh, third-round pick out of college, who has actually gotten to the big leagues pretty fairly quickly. Twenty-four years old. Um, a lot to like about Spencer Steer. I don't know if Spencer Steer is ever going to be a superstar, but if we expect that every player that came up to be a superstar, well, we'd be disappointed with ninety-nine point nine percent of the players. But I think he's got a chance to be a really good big league player. And uh, the reason why is this guy has an idea at the plate. He just had absolutely. We say that occasionally about guys like. Uh, like Votto, you know, um, uh, who, who else uh, recently, you know, you just guys, you know, that uh, had that patience that we wish Jose Barrero had. You know, if mm-hmm. Jose Barrero had a third of that, he'd be a superstar right now. So, uh, but Steer made his debut, and, I'll, you know, I'll just uh, briefly, I want to go uh, at bat by at bat quickly, but I, but I do just want to say he got on base um, four times in his debut, uh, first, first Reds player to debut and reach base at least four times since Jay Bruce did it in 2008. Um, let's see. He uh, scored the uh, the game-winning run in a 3-2 uh, walk-off win. So, Jonathan, he got a walk-off uh, hit to uh, win the game for the Reds and Steer scored, and they you know, doused him with the water. It's just an, an incredible debut for, for the young man. And I, I don't know. I, I love stuff like that. His family's excited. I, I I don't know. I just I love it. Well, you you forgot you forgot the best part. The man's first major league at bat was a home run. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He had a couple walks in that game, of course. But so he had his first plate appearance was a walk, but uh, home run and for his first major league hit, his first technical major league at bat. Um, you don't you don't and then to score the winning run on a walk off by. The guy who's probably going to have to sort of usher in the next crop of talented young Reds, Jonathan India. Um, I hate to say it because it just is a testament to how the season's been, but that might have been the most exciting game, exciting win of the year for the Reds. Yeah, for a lot of reasons, right? Not not anything to do with the with the standings, but uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I buried the lead there. Um, yeah, Spencer Steer. Okay, first of all, sixty uh, first player to play for the Reds this season. Tenth seems player like a lot. to it seems like a lot. He's the tenth player to make his major league debut for the Reds this year, um, which is just uh, insane. But um, him and Mike so, Mustakis, another another young oh, buck, another young buck. Oh, glorious! So uh, first play appearance. So he was playing third base. He's sort of playing all over a, a little bit. He's a utility guy right now, but he, he's playing third base that first game. Um, Unless I'm misremembering, but anyway, he uh, gets in a uh, that that was actually his first hit, but it was his first at bat. At bat he actually got a walk. Yeah. Um, uh, very first plate appearance in the big league, and this is the thing that stunned me the most about this. Mm-hmm. This is what I talk about when I say he has a clue at the plate. Um, he gets in a one-two hole, one ball, two strikes immediately, and you know that's a tough situation for any hitter, for a guy making his big league debut. Um, you know. I guess the, the tendency would be to be a little anxious. He works a 10-pitch walk. I mean, that was a veteran at bat. And at just it, it blew me away. And then the second at bat, his first big league hit, straightaway center field, home run. And, 
do you, do you remember the last red? I don't actually. I don't know who the last red was, but do you remember a read? Well, Joey Votto. Joey Votto got his first big league hit was home run. I don't know if he was the last red or not. Actually, I started saying that. Not Tyler Stevenson. Tyler Stevenson. I knew there was somebody else that I'd heard. So, um, so Spencer's here. You know, that's that's okay. I guess you know a walk and a home run, a ten pitch walk and a home run, and then of course he walks again in his third plate appearance, and then. Um, or actually, no, wait a minute. He did his third plate appearance. Let's see, he got another hit in there somewhere. I don't know. Um, oh yeah, yeah, the ninth. Though. Right. Yeah, he walked out. It's been it's been at least five days ago. I can't remember that far back. So we're old. We can't be expected to remember things like this. Exactly. Yeah, he led off the ninth with that double. So he had a home run, a double, two walks, uh, home run for his first big league hit, a uh um Score the game winning run. I mean, literally, if you asked, you know, 12 year old Spencer Steer at, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, um, James Woods Elementary School in Quahog, uh, Rhode Island, or wherever he's from, <laughs> if you asked him to write out, what do you want your major league debut to be like? I, I don't think anyone could even dream of something so fabulous as that, really. Um, I just, I don't know. I, it's it's what I love about this stupid sport. Is it some guy that I never heard of six years, six weeks ago, or six months ago uh, has this debut, and we're also invested in what he can do. And I don't know. It's just I don't, I love it. I'm happy. That's all I wanted to say. No, I couldn't agree more. I was pretty excited about him and another guy that they got in that uh, Tyler Malley trade because they're a little bit closer to being big league ready. Uh, we, we we kept getting all of these giant prospects that were two, three, four years away, and yeah, I love them. Great. Do well. But like these guys that are close to the big, like I get to root for them soon. And he was playing really well at AAA. The guy gives me strong. Tell me if you agree or disagree. Strong Jeff McNeil vibes for the Mets. Oh, yeah, please. I was, yeah. I was looking at that, that slash line. And, you know, I, I think that it, it, it's a pretty, pretty solid comp. You know, it's almost like Spencer Steer was built for a different era. You know, that 80s, 90s sort of uh, you know slash line era where he's going yeah. to hit for a decent average, great on-base percentage, and a fine slugging. But, you know, like in his minor's career, he, he had an OPS well above the eights. And if he can if he can somehow maintain an 800-plus OPS, especially playing a lot of second base, I mean, yeah. that number looks a lot juicier than, you know, you move Jonathan Indy back to third. It just gives you this position flexibility that the Reds have been lacking. And I'm not unexcited about the Spencer Steer era. I agree. And and just to circle back to something you said about getting guys that are a little bit closer to the big leagues, the Reds actually tried to do that in their last mm-hmm. sort of aborted rebuild, but they didn't do it. They didn't do it right. You know, the guys they got were Jose Peraza, you know, um, and uh, and guys like that. Uh, Brandon Finnegan, you know. Yeah, those guys were like, they, they got them because they were almost major league ready. Right, right, right. Whereas a guy like Spencer Steer, I don't know. I mean, he's a legit prospect. Is he a superstar prospect? Yeah. No, he was you know, but... Um, He's a legit – he has a chance to be – and we talked uh, a couple weeks ago about the next good Reds team, and Spencer Steer should be on the next good Reds team, yeah. uh, I hope. So, anyway, yeah. fantastic. One other note about that night uh, that he made his debut is the Reds had another guy make his big league debut. Maybe an even better story uh, – well, definitely a better story, but Fernando Cruz. Fernando Cruz was the 62nd player to play for the Reds and the 11th to make his big league debut. Uh, I'm just stealing those uh, that stats directly from Trent Rosecrans, the athletic. Um, thank you for your service, uh, Mr. Rosecrans. <laughs> um, 32 years old. 
made his major league debut and his one inning pitched. He uh, struck out the first batter, fly out center field, and struck out the third batter. So wonderful. But a 32 year old making his debut. Well, uh, you know, his story was uh, <laughs> he was drafted, I guess, at I think by the Royals. Yeah, drafted by the Royals as a shortstop. And this is exactly what I when I sort of banging this drum, sort of tongue in cheek, but not completely tongue in cheek about trying to Aristides Aquino out on the mound. You know, uh, he played uh, 511 minor league games. Again, I'm still doing this straight from Trent Rosecrans. 237 games in another country and 43 games independent baseball. Um, he was a professional baseball player before Vado made the big leagues. And so <laughs> that's, all, he, that's he, all you need to know. That's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. And so he switches to the to the mound. And um, and what, what happens? He he this year he, did, he almost make the team. Uh, Louisville Triple A does make the team, leads him in saves, and is just dominant. And no, oh, he's gonna get a chance to. He's a, he's a guy that who knows, right? But he's a guy that will have a chance to work his way in the conversation for the bullpen next year. Is he a long term solution? No, but heck, there, there's there's a, there are opportunities in that Reds pen. And, yeah. and somebody with his story. Bring it on. I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. Yes. If he's just a serviceable piece, then he is an upgrade over most of the things that we've thrown out there. The Reds have thrown out there over the last couple of years. But, you know, the oldest Reds player to make his debut in 66 years. Wow. Um, he, cho he chose uh, the Lion King Circle of Life song as his walkout song. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Too perfect for his story, for that situation. I love it. Easy, easy to root for. Definitely easy to report. And we haven't even mentioned the most important fun fact about Fernando Cruz. Fernando Cruz's father-in-law, former Reds utility legend, 1990 World Series uh, uh, player, Luis Quinones. Get is his father-in-law. <laughs> I now, missed that. And unfortunately, you can answer the question. I, well, we, I, they didn't show him. I don't think he was at the game the other night. So we still don't know where Quinones is. Uh, for those of but you we know who to ask. But we know who to ask. There you go. And if you <laughs> don't know what where's Quinones means, come on. Are you even a Reds fan? Go to right, the so riverfront.com, um, no, riverfrontcincy.com shop and buy the where's Quinones t-shirt. Why wouldn't you? I don't understand why you One, wouldn't. 100% of proceeds go to uh, us. <laughs> go to, go to <laughs> Nate's, Nate's uh, pocket. Um, so anyway, that was that was a fun thing this week. The other kind of fun thing, I guess we'll say it's a fun thing. Um, it's fun to talk about it anyway. And it's kind of this, uh, what I've seen is a little bit of an emergence of T.J. Friedel, to who I have, um, I'll, I'm guilty of dismissing T.J. Friedel um, for various reasons. But... All of a sudden, you look up, and number one, he's got hair that's second only to Jonathan India. Mm -hmm. And num number two, I don't know. He's he's starting to look like a, a player. Now, when I say a player, well, before we do that, we have a good viewer mail question that will help us lead into this. So, again, as always, our viewer mail questions come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfrontcency. Uh, this one comes from Rich Thompson. Rich asks, in a previous edition of your mail, I queried if Aristides Aquino would be on the Reds roster next year. Now I'm pondering the same about TJ Friedel. From what you've seen, do you think that he has a future with the Reds next year? If he does, what will be his role? Starter, bench player, 
or on the bus between Louisville and Cincy. What I'll say is that, uh, you know, he has 200 plate appearances in his big league career, so not that many, but 115 OPS plus, you know, 281 average, 335 uh, on base. Um, he, uh, he, can, he can play a passable defense. You know, is here's, here's the, my thing about T.J. Friedel. I don't think T.J. Friedel is a, a long-term solution for anyone in the outfield. But he is a perfect kind of – I call Jake Fraley um, sort of a Tyler Naquin type. And I think T.J. Friedel's the same way. He's got these weird splits, and we'll have to see if those uh, splits kind of uh, – uh, if, if they manifest themselves over, over a longer time. But he's a guy that he's not going uh, to – he'll help you defensively. And um, and you can you can kind of kind of spot start him as well. And I think he's absolutely a decent fourth outfield type player going forward. And I would not have said that probably a year ago today. He's uh, he's kind of won me over. And I hope it's not just me falling for small sample sizes. But uh, I don't know. I'm 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 fairly impressed. Well, I probably wouldn't have said that a month ago today. I mean, it wasn't. It was earlier this year when he was just bouncing back and forth because he he. he hadn't figured it out yet at the plate, but he talked about making some adjustments to his stance and swing, and maybe he figured something out. It could be just a flash in the pan. I don't know. But even if he's just on like an epic heater right now, he's certainly put himself in position to uh, you know, be in the conversation for a starting spot next year. And they have to start somebody in the outfield. The Reds don't have a ton of you know outfield depth, so it's not saying a bunch. But you need guys like TJ Friedel on your team and, you know, few months ago i wouldn't have expected him to be relevant at all and here we are he's got 800 plus ops right yeah and you know in the minor leagues uh three, 367 on base uh all the way through you know he's got some pop uh not a ton of home run power but some some power and also he uh, doubles and triples everywhere he went you know he's got this crazy platoon spit that i'm almost certain has to be a small sample size anomaly but against left-handed pitchers he crushes left-handed pitchers um, but he's roughly average against right-handed pitchers. So I think he's probably, a, a, um, I don't know. I don't know what he is, but I think there's Ooh. enough there that we should, um, we should be eager to see what he is to give him, give him more of an opportunity. And, and, and the fact is the Reds don't have outfielders for next year. Yeah. So, I mean, Frida will absolutely be a Cincinnati red next year. I think he will be on the opening day roster. I don't know that he'll be a starter. I hope he's not a starter because I'd rather have somebody hope, better. <laughs> right, but I don't mind having TJ Friel around, and I'll, I'll, I'm intrigued. What, what's the uh, what's the uh, the quote? Uh, you had my uh, attention. You had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. I think that's it. Okay. I'm looking forward to the the Friedel Fraley platoon. Maybe they can just do a bobblehead with two heads coming out. <laughs> Fre- one with long hair, one with big beard. <laughs> Friedel Fraley, too handsome. Um, yeah, really. So anyway, um, TJ Friedel, have it. Have Let's a season, go. dude. Yeah, yeah. Again, that, that's something I wrote about at the magazine the last week, week before. Who, who can remember? But well, just which guys have something to play for? Because I think that's what's interesting to watch. And Friedel's a guy that I did not actually mention because I'm an idiot. But um, he's got something to play for. I mean, he's he's playing for a big league career right now. If he can finish out the season hot, it probably translates into a few years bouncing around the big leagues at the very least. Yeah. Uh, and so good for him. Good for him. Great story, too. Did we, did we talk about the, his story, his draft story? I don't think so. Every big league team just basically forgot he was draft eligible. No one drafted him 
because everyone, no one realized he was draft eligible. I, I guess he happen. knew he was. It was. It, it's a long story. We really can't get into. But it's crazy. The Reds realized it pretty quickly after the draft and signed him to a free agent contract. And so, I mean, that's listen. That's a that's a scouting win right there uh, for the organization. Just the fact that he made the big leagues at all after being yeah. undrafted is some, uh, something. So anyway, that was uh, that was good. Uh, anything else this week, Nate? Yeah, there's a few other things to talk about this week, I guess. Um, don't need to spend a ton of time on any of these, but um, rehab start um, looked, uh, Struck looked pretty like a good. Million dudes. Yeah, yeah, uh, throwing hard, throwing uh, triple digits. Um, I don't know. Yeah, let's. What, didn't it have any walks? Struck out four batters. Um, Twenty-eight pitches total. Eighteen strikes. One hit. No runs. The I video wasn't quality wasn't incredible, but it looked like his fastball had a little more life than I had been gotten used to seeing. So if if that's true, then that's that's awesome. Yeah, and I'm in the camp of speed. We can get a little bit of movement. Let's go. Yeah, bring it on. I'm in the camp of uh, if they wanted to shut him down, I'm okay with it at this point. Uh, you know, uh, protect it, protect that baby's arm, whatever you do, just love on it, you know, um, bathe it in essential oils, uh, whatever you need to do to protect him. But, um, but I, I, he's still going to be, a, if he's going to pitch back in the, and he's going to pitch in the big leagues again, if he has more time before his innings limit, oh my, it's still, I don't care if the Reds are a thousand games out of uh, first place, which they are, but I don't care because I, it's appointment viewing for me. So. Yeah, I would like, I would like, kind of like to, for just selfish reasons, see Hunter Green, Graham Ashcraft, and Nick Lola all in the rotation at the same time to finish the season, get a couple starts. That way, we have that to look forward to going into twenty twenty three. Yeah, listen again, we're still watching because uh, we're gluttons for punishment. But uh, yeah, that would that'd be a little bit of a, a positive taste in, in in the mouth after uh, a rough season, and and uh, give us something to dream about all winter long uh, because so many of our hopes and dreams for next year are going to rest on the, sh the, uh, the shoulders and elbows of those three gentlemen. That's right. Speaking of positive taste in your mouth, um, <laughs> it's kind of impromptu, but uh, Luis Sessa, what's going on? Tell me about Luis Sessa. The guy I mean, over the last month is going to have 3.21 with a 1.01 whip across three starts. Obviously, he's not going long in games. There's a reason for that. He was a stinking reliever for the last two years. <laughs> and they, they ran him out for a couple of those opener games, and everybody was very confused. And then suddenly we needed some starting pitching, and he was the, the guy. I don't think he had started a game since like 2017 or something. I could very well be mistaken yeah. on that. But yeah. well, he's and looked – Decent, right, right. Well, decent is, uh, you know, if you, I would have signed up for that for decent. Um, and a matter of fact, he's getting, he's kind of getting better uh, the more he goes. Uh, mm -hmm. Today, as always, we record this on Thursdays, and then the Reds had a, a day game today. We told you earlier, Leo Lopez, uh, who just I don't understand Leo. why he's uh, just sign him to a ten year contract to be a, the twenty fifth guy on the roster and a utility player. I mean, the guy loves just, me some Alejo. You roll him out of bed at two in the morning. He's going to put the bat on the ball. Um, I know he's got limitations. He's whatever, but I don't know. I just I'm. I don't know. There's something about that guy that I just want him to be a red. Um, 
He's got real, uh, real Luis Quinones vibes to me. But anyway, Ooh. today Luis uh, Cesar had the start and the, the win against the against the Cubs today. Now he did not get the win because the Reds didn't lead until the ninth inning. So uh, some young man named Alexis Diaz picked up the win with uh, Jibo getting the save. But we already mentioned that. Um, I got to come up with a funnier way to say his name. Maybe just saying it regular with my ridiculous accent would work. Yeah, it'll workshop that. I, yeah, I digress. Um, Sessa had a no hitter through four innings today. Uh, had some the, his defense failed him a little bit, uh, and I mentioned Friedel, but uh, Friedel did have a, a kind of a rough play. Uh, he did not get charged yeah, with an error, but it probably should plays. have been. Yeah, that's just true. That's true. Yeah. So, um, which is which is crazy. Friedel is for. I, Today's not representative of what Friedel can do in the in the outfield. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm not reading anything into that. Wrigley no. Field's weird. The sun hits weird. Yeah, he lost one ball in like, the sun. Yeah, just actually lost, lost two balls in the sun. I think. Watching him bounce back is, is might be something worth watching. You know, if he's able to just shake that off and come back and have a have a good next couple of games, then it says a lot about his uh, you know his approach and his maturity. Yeah, especially for a kid his age, uh, just getting his uh, it's his second taste to the big leagues, but his first extended look. Um, but anyway, you're right, Luis Sessa. I mean, uh, is Luis Sessa going to be around? No, probably not. But he, he, we, we kind of uh, mocked the Reds' front office when Luis Sessa entered the rotation. And I think that mockery still is 100% deserved. You don't have a better plan for your rotation other than to let a reliever start and then sign Chase Anderson. But um, – who? But kudos to Sessa, who is probably earning some money right now. I don't know if he's going to be yeah. – he's probably not a starter long-term. He probably goes back to the bullpen. I don't know, but someone's going to take a chance on him uh, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. He'll get some money, and good for him. It won't be the Reds because uh, the Reds don't give anyone money. So, uh, Anything else from the week that we uh, – yeah, there's a few transactions I guess yeah, we can touch we on. Have, yeah, I was going to say we haven't, we haven't mentioned the best news of the week. <laughs> well, go ahead. Designated Colin Moran for assignments. How are you gonna? How are you gonna? No, oh, how are you gonna do that to Colin Moran? Hardly even knew ya. Don't have to remember ya. Don't <laughs> pretend that I'm happy that you're on the team anymore. I never cared oh, about my. you when from the day you were in a red uniform. See you later. <laughs> but probably not. Well, Nate, for real, don't do that, man. <laughs> He, he was a he was a red. He was, and I liked him while he was, but he's not anymore. Oh my goodness! Well, anyway, <laughs> what he happened to him? Where did that. he go? Um, probably wherever Phil assumes no one goes. <laughs> well, he was designated initially uh, when the Reds activated Albert Almora Jr. First of all, pause the show here. Go and look up. Albert Almora Jr.'s numbers. And then come back and listen to the show. And um, ha- then I want to know, how bad does no. Colin Moran have to be to get designated <laughs> for assignment so the rest can activate Albert Almora Jr.? I just want to just answer that question for yourself. You know. Oh, man. Um, the milk has gone bad. <laughs> So he's got now, some crazy eyes too. You ever you ever look at Albert Amora Jr.? He's got something behind <laughs> those eyes that I don't I don't trust. Does he? No, no I'm, I'm happy to say that no. I uh, 
I have not seen his, his crazy eyes. Um, the Reds ultimately uh, ended up releasing Colin Moran. And if I may, if I may, Nate, just uh, I'm going to take you off the screen for a moment. <laughs> Get a brain, Morans. If you're not if you're not watching the YouTube, I'm showing this great uh, the great uh, clip of the Cardinals fan with a get a brain Morans uh, <laughs> sign. So anyway, so Colin Moran, the Colin Moran era is over. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. Absolutely, you're a stinking pirate. That's all I'm going to say. Um, all right, so he he did uh, he was released. Um, uh, only other things to mention. Again, I don't know if there is anything. Uh, to mention here, but uh, Daniel Duarte, remember that guy? He was sent to Louisville for a rehab assignment. And then to me, the most interesting, eh, not most interesting, but you talked about earlier <laughs> about we want to see Ashcraft and Lodolo and Hunter Green finish the season strong. Connor Overton threw, threw 29 pitches on September 7th to uh, complex league hitters in Goodyear, Arizona. Complex league. That means like That's a very, a, very difficult league. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the Ivy League. Um, so, uh, anyway, he's going to begin a rehab assignment next week at Louisville. So, there is a decent chance that we get some Connor Overton. Although, I kind of wish Connor Overton would never play again. Yep. Because um, <laughs> his four starts with the Reds were so immaculate that he can only screw up that legacy. He could become the Ryan LaVarnway of his time. Just an all-time legend that never... Never got another chance. So. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna worry about him tarnishing that legacy. You know, he, he can be a running riverfront inside joke for the next several years if he just doesn't ever play again. Right, and believe me, we need those. Selfish, Connor. Uh, you're selfish. He is. He is. You could be the next Luis Alberto Bonilla. And who doesn't want that? I mean, seems like that he'd want that more than you know. I don't know. Uh, succeeding on a major league baseball diamond um all right that's basically all the news for the week we have some viewer mail questions uh, to take up I, I will mention just quickly i don't want to dive into this too much because it's a it's a little bit of a downer but um i don't know if you saw the what i wrote for uh, cincinnati magazine this week last week the, the, i don't know if any of you have seen this uh, when it was a game series of documentaries that uh, hbo produced a few years back and it was basically just home movies from like the 40s and 50s, uh, the big leaguers took on the field. And it's a fantastic documentary, just a really different way to look at the game. And they posted some, some clips on their, or a clip on their Twitter feed of a game in 1940. Between, uh, it's at Wrigley Field between the Reds and the Cubs. Pre-game, and they're uh, bouncing around and, you know, um, doing what 1940 big leaguers did. Um, and anyway, they had a black armband on their uniform. And the black armband was for Willard Hirschberger, who had been a catcher um, for the previous two seasons and then uh, earlier that season, and uh, who took his own life uh, during August of that season, uh, the beginning of August. And uh, so, you know, it was a story that I, I said something about it, and a bunch of people said, I don't know anything about that story. A lot of people were like, I never heard that. So I said, you know what? Um, it, it's not, it wasn't a fun story to, uh, to live through again. And, uh, but it's an important one. I don't think that Reds fans, I think Reds fans should, should know. We need to make sure that it stays kind of in the, in the consciousness because really sad era. And of course there's that 1940 Reds team 
basically went on to win the World Series, and they voted his mom a full share of the playoff proceeds. And, um, it kind of galvanized the team in some ways, but just a, a troubled young man and a, a really sad story. And uh, anyway, I would encourage you to go read it because I need clicks. I need those precious, precious clicks. I don't care if you read it, actually. Just, just click on just it. Click it. Refresh it a couple times. I don't even know if that works. I, I need your clicks. Please g g give me clicks. Actually, my editors never once mentioned clicks or any of that, any of that nonsense and pretty much lets me write whatever I want. So that's why Cincinnati Magazine is the best outlet because uh, they don't mind if uh, we upset the Reds sometimes, the Reds ownership. <laughs> so anyway, Nate, I don't know if you had any comments about that. You, I, I'm sure if you're smart, you didn't read it. But um, and I like those historical stories because some of these stories – People don't know we need to keep uh, keep them alive. Yeah, I, I did read it, and I was really glad that you wrote about it because I think it was three weeks ago, maybe four, one of our that, mail yeah. questions brought up the 1940 Reds. And I you know, am not nearly the, the historian that guys like you, Chris Garber, are, so I and Bill. So I wanted to go back and, and look up something about that team. And there was one little throwaway sentence at the end of their Wikipedia page that mentions – Hershberger and how the Reds gave his World Series share to his mom. And so I, I had to look into that a little bit further. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad you wrote about it. It just sort of highlights um, a the Reds organization handled that in a way that must have been uncommon for the era um, and in an ultra sensitive and understanding way that I don't feel like you saw a lot of back in the 40s. Um, it, it shows how far that we have come as a country. Um, and yeah, just worth, worth highlighting. And if you know somebody in your life, uh, that's having a hard time, give them a hug, let them know you're there for them. And yeah, that's yeah, all I got. Absolutely. 100%. You're, you're right. That, that was something that struck me as I was researching a little bit. Uh, I mean, the res manager is a hall of fame, was a hall of fame manager. De Deacon Bill McKechnie was his name. Um, and Deacon Bill, because he was in the church choir and he was just a, he was a genuinely solid, really good human being that everybody loved. And, and maybe it's a misunderstanding. I don't think it's a misunderstanding of the way the world was in 1940. I think I have a fair understanding, but it really surprised me that how he reacted to that. And he really tried to go above and beyond and, um, and, and even spoke to the team about, you know, um, yeah, you would think mental health would be spoken about, about in a big league clubhouse. Mm -hmm. And he, he said, look, he, he's having, uh, you know, he has a mental illness and, and instead of uh, playing jokes on him and laughing at him, we need to treat him with love and kindness. And, um, and I hoped my piece, he didn't come across uh, as anything other than really caring. Cause I think he really did care. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was a surprising part of it, you know, and again, I'm going to, I'm doing nothing if not pimping my own stuff here, but uh, the little newsletter thing that I write at chaddotson.substack.com. I had some like uh, other things that I found in my research this week. So if you, you can go and it's free, you can subscribe if you want. But I put some additional stuff that I couldn't fit into my column. And one of those is that Ernie Lombardi, mm -hmm. he was the Hall of Fame catcher who was out. And Hershberg was having to play in his place and putting way too much pressure on himself. Um, um, late, later in his life, uh, Ernie Lombardi attempted suicide in almost exactly the same fashion. I mean, it was, 
it was exactly like the way Willard Hershberger did it. And I didn't get into the details wow. of exactly how Will, I, I, I thought about it, but it was too, I, too gruesome. I had the details and no one needed to hear it. But the specifics of how he did it, Ernie Lombardi, that same catcher, uh, after his career was over, tried to take his life. And it was, I mean, down to the location, how he was positioned, and there was a razor blade involved. It was just, it was, it was just horrifying to me. And, you know, I, 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 I wonder – and this is irresponsible speculation, but they're all, they're all passed on to this point. But I wonder if, if he um, took some responsibility for what happened with Hershberg because he was out of the lineup and he took great pride in you know, being a, a tough guy and always in the lineup. And because he was out, Hershberg put so much stress on him on himself. And that wasn't the stress wasn't ultimately the reason he had he had issues that were long sure. running. But I just to me, I thought that is bizarre. Did he in some way feel guilty? And he was I don't know. I'm I'm armchair psychiatrist here. I'm sorry, but. It was it was fascinating yeah. to me. So, um, so was, I, I wrote some worth, more words. It was definitely worth putting a spotlight on, and like like we talked about, yet you, you never know what somebody's going through. Be there for your loved ones, and you know, mental health. So it's, it's a real thing. I'm glad that we've come a long way. Yeah, absolutely, 100. percent Okay, uh, you want to answer some viewer mail questions now that we've uh, kind of we're going to bring it back. Now we're going to talk about the Reds. It gets even more sad. <laughs> no, no, please no. All right, viewer mail. These questions, as I said earlier, come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy. That's patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy. Um, by the way, I got to say, earlier this week, we had one of our Patreon hang. We, every month we get together on Zoom, watch a Reds game, and I'll, I'll post the video later at Patreon for, for our, our uh, patrons, as they call them. We call them the family. Um, and I got to tell you, Nate, man, that is fun every single month. I have a blast every time. We have some funny guys that, uh, you know, we can't all get around at the ballpark because I don't go to that ballpark anymore. But it's a way for us to, to kind of hang out as a family and enjoy the, the Reds game and laugh together and make fun of each other. And I don't know. I'm just saying I have a great time. I hope you do as well. I always look forward to them. I have a very good time, but I, I leave them feeling inadequate. I'm like, why, why does everybody know way more about the Reds than I do? <laughs> <laughs> Shh, I'm supposed to say that out loud. Uh, the fact of the matter is, man, if you are a, a friend of the show here, uh, you're obviously an obsessive Cincinnati Reds fan, and we love you and we salute you for it because uh, you're sticking with a Reds podcast. Hey, but hey, we started a Bengals one because they're good. <laughs> so that's going to be fun. Give you something uh, to get excited about. Exactly. First question comes from our friend Sydney Price. Sydney asks, "What and why is a Derek Law? What is the punishment for breaking a Derek Law? Order in the court," he says. So Sydney <laughs> trying to get a little bit uh, a little cutesy on us here. Um, Derek Law is feeding right allegedly a player. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Thirty-one-year-old reliever who has. Uh, Pitched 6.1 innings for the Reds this year and has not given up a run. Um, Derek Law is magnificent. That's what that's what Derek Law is. Do you have a better answer to that question? I'm going to channel my inner um, Chris Pratt's character in Parks and Rec. I don't know what a Derek Law is, and at this point, I'm too scared to look it up. <laughs> Andy Dwyer. Andy Dwyer. That's it. So why do I know that? Andy Dwyer. That's worth knowing. All right, Nate, a question for you. You're a, you're a TV guy. Uh, the Office or Parks and Rec? So I, I know I'm in the minority here, but I go Parks and Rec all day, and it's, I don't think it's close. It's not even I close. close. I mean, I love The it. Office is great. I love it. it, it it's incredible. It's a masterpiece. But Ron Swanson is better than any single character 
Yeah. And it's not even close. Well, and then, right. But there's so many characters in that. You have uh, Leslie Nope, who, Amy Poehler is just, uh, you know, she's... Uh, she starts start, starts off, you know, but becomes one of the most likable TV show characters yeah, in the history right. of TV. Uh, Andy Dwyer. Um, Tom Haverford. Tom Haverford's too good. And... Just, that's a, uh, right, and yeah, she's in a movie that's out now that I haven't gone to see yet. That's Mark Brandenowitz, <laughs> maybe not Obviously. Mark Brandenowitz, maybe not Mark. Yeah. Draw the he's, line like, he, he's like Bob Vance, Vance for refrigeration. <laughs> he's that's who he is on Parks and Rec. So anyway, uh, that's uh, our TV discussion of the week. Next question comes from uh, Sydney. By the way, great question. I prefer Derek Law and Derek Order. Joe, yeah, that's a good show too. Um, and they, they rebooted Law and Order. Really? Have you seen Have you seen that? I haven't watched it. Is it out? I don't even know. I have no idea. As long as they have that righteous bald dude, that was <laughs> in like every season dude. ever. I like righteous <laughs> bald dudes. Yeah, really. I used to love that show. Um, a little uh, insight into me. I went to law school. You may you may know that. And so, man, we we watched that show every week. And then after I started my career, and then I became a prosecutor, and I never watched that show again. I was like, dude, I do this all day. I, <laughs> I need to watch it tonight. So anyway, um, you got a little bit more of my biography there, F- fans of uh, the Riverfront. Joey Gadiza, our friend from uh, Canada, that's north of the border. Hey, guys, of the following, which has the nicest ring to it to sum up this season? The Cincinnati Deads, the Cincinnati Retreads, the Cincinnati Stayed in Bed, or the Cincinnati Find Something Else to Watch Instead? Just t- top-notch questions to, this week. <laughs> a lot of effort, a lot of effort put into that one. I will, I will concede that. Um, I don't have an answer though. I went with the. Oh, I, I chose a different selection. The Cincinnati. I went somewhere else instead. Oh, where? Where are you going to go? He doesn't need to know. Hey, you remember that time? I'll buy that and ruin it. You remember that time that uh, that Phil Castellini said, uh, "Where are you?" Gonna go. You hear that? Uh, that was a great. Apparently, that was a fun. Apparently, time. there were plenty of options out there. Yeah, that was a that was a fun time. Hooper Powell. Hooper, Hooper Powell asks this: If there was a theme song for the 2022 Reds, what would it be? Simply the best? No, no, probably, <laughs> probably not probably that. No. Um, did you have an answer? Did you Did you come up with one? I, I think I have an answer, yes. But, you know, if, uh, I'll let you if... Uh, th- th- my answer is one that I've... Ma- a song that I've mentioned on this show a thousand times. So I'll let you go ahead if you have if you have an answer. I'll bat lead off. I went with... Uh, it's a parody song by Weird Al Yankovic. You may have heard of him called I Can't Watch This. Here, <laughs> here, here's the first, the first verse. My, my, my. I can't watch this. My TV makes me so bored. Makes me say, oh my lord, what is this garbage here? Want to cover my eyes and plug my ears. It sucks, and that's no lie. It's about as much fun as watching paint dry. Lowers my IQ one notch, and that's the reason why uh, I can't watch. <laughs> Brilliant. What's that a parody of? I assume it's a parody of something, because most of Weird Al stuff can't is a parody of this. Ah, okay. Your boy, there we go. Your boy and inspiration for most of the pants you wear. You can see him. It's true. It's true. I did have a, I did have a, a an MC Hammer phase uh, for about twenty six years. Um, 
That's pretty good. That's way better than, than my answer. I was I was just going to say, uh, and I, I just wanted to talk about this song because I love it so much. Uh, Glory Days by Bruce Springsteen. Oh, man. What a, I mean, you know, Hunter Green threw that speedball by him this year. So I'm sorry. I just want to take another opportunity to crap on Bruce Springsteen, the most overrated musical artist in the history of American music. So that's a very cold take that I disagree with. <laughs> <laughs> but you did remind me of something that I don't think we touched on very much with uh, talking about throwing the speedball by it. Nick Lodolo's start against the Rockies. Nick Lodolo six, started against the Rockies? Six innings pitch, no earned runs, nine strikeouts, and one K. The guy was dropping it on the table. No, it was actually the most dominant I've seen him. I mean, it really was. We we probably should have added that up there when we were talking about uh, the legend of Spencer, whoever that guy is, Steak and uh, Spencer Steak and uh, and uh, I don't know uh, Joey Friedel. Um, yeah, no, it looked looked fantastic. Looked absolutely fantastic. Yeah, um, got that ERA below four, eleven point two Ks per nine right now. Like, ugh. again, it's all it's all health with him. Mm-hmm. It's it's all help with 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 Lodolo and Green both. I mean, I'm 100 convinced those guys are big league above average big league starters, and potentially one or both could be star pitchers. Mm-hmm. They have that kind of ability. Um, it's just all about health, and so I I'm just not going to say anything else about Hunter Green because I get yelled at every time I say something about Hunter Green and, and health. Um, You're but, right though. If they can stay healthy and reach their ceiling, then they like they have a chance to be on Graham Ashcraft's level. Well, now let's not get silly here. That's a good point. Come That's on. Good point. Sorry. No one's on. Getting excited. It's just strawberry wine I'm drinking. <laughs> there we go. Strawberry wine, 17. Um, First July. Yeah. Call <laughs> everything. Call everything. everything. First taste. <laughs> Dina Carter. Look up. Dina Carter. Ah, <laughs> oh, strawberry wine. Man, the 90s. There was we a three-year Springsteen to Dina Carter. We all the all the stars. Dina Carter, way way better artist than than Bruce Springsteen. Um, there was a three-year period in the '90s where I really loved country music. That's the only time I've ever liked country music in my life. Just FYI. nobody's perfect. All right, sorry, we're getting off the rails here. Um, I feel like Garber's here. It's gotten off the rails so bad. But I'm going to circle back to something you just said. Did you know there's a new movie coming out uh, about Weird Al Yankovic? I did. Harry Potter, or sorry, Daniel. Radcliffe yeah. is yeah, Harry Potter. Hey, man, look, looks the part. It gets bad reviews. I, uh, I'll see it. Weird Al, Weird Al is, is the Al. most – I said uh, that Springsteen is the most overrated. Weird Al actually may be the most underrated American entertainer of the last uh, 50 years. I don't know. That's, that's a hot take. Probably a cold take. It's a take. <laughs> it's a take. All right, Seth Shaner asks – I'm going to take a breath here because it's a long breath. The beginning of the NFL season reminds me of opening day. Already smarting from the offseason moves that saw players given away to save payroll. Phil Castellini had just opened his mouth and his words were making their way across the Twitterverse when Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins took the field there at Great American Ballpark. The love for them in the stadium, along with Zach Taylor, was palpable. A, do you think Red's ownership had any envious thoughts at that time? And B, will we ever again experience love for a red squad like is permeating throughout Bengaldom right now? All right, so I gotta, I, I'll answer the first of these and I'll give you a chance, Nate, then we'll go to the second one. Do you think the Reds' ownership had any envious thoughts at that time? Uh, fr- frankly, I think that the Reds' ownership 
during their more lucid moments um, have been beating themselves up a little bit. I think actually that week where they signed Tommy Fan and Mike Miner was a response to how much the, the love for uh, Bengals love versus uh, you know how much the Reds were getting hate. Yeah, I think so. I think they could, they have to look down the way and and see what the team's doing. The Bengals, and uh, I don't know if jealousy is not the right term, but I'm sure that it's entered into their thinking. Now, has it changed their behavior? I don't know, but but I think so. Yes, is the answer to the first question. Nate, you got an answer? Nope, agree completely. There we go. B. I'll let you answer this one first. Will we ever again experience love for a red squad like it's permeating throughout Bengaldom right now? So this one's tough. Um, it's not tough. Because it's I, easy. I, I think you have to be in the same position that Bengals fans are right now to share something similar. Now, like the Reds just being very good. We've experienced that. Um, if, you, if you're older than me, you experienced that in a big way in 1990. If, you, if you're around my age or younger, then you haven't experienced much outside of just a couple competitive teams. And the love for those teams, while – intense and passionate is nothing like what is happening in Bengals land right now. Um, it's nationwide. The entire country is in love with, with the Cincinnati football team. Uh, Joe Burrow has just captured the, the national conscience conscience. Um, the Reds would have to be a young plucky squad that makes a run a year or two before anybody ever expected them to. And the odds of that happening are so slim that it makes me sad. Seth, your questions always make me sad. <laughs> well, I'm going to uh, probably uh, disagree with you just a little bit. Good, um, please. Uh, first of all, I'll say this. I want you to remember that night we were in Cincinnati for game three of the 2010 National League Division Series. What did you see everywhere around you? Insanity, right? Mm-hmm. People were Homer Bailey jerseys, but yeah, same, <laughs> same thing, same thing. I mean, the stadium that night was as electric. There's only one other time probably that I've seen it more electric than that. Um, and that was Todd Frazier at the Home Run Derby. Um, so there is a passion there that's just waiting to be unlocked. So now I think everything you just said is absolutely fair. Uh, probably undeniably correct but to will we ever again experience love for red squad like uh bingo right now my answer is yes and my answer has to be yes and the reason my answer has to be yes is that i've invested a lot of my life i invest a lot of my time every single week in talking about the reds in thinking about the reds in writing about the reds and um I don't think I could keep going if I didn't think there was a chance. Now, do I trust the Castellanis to do it? Absolutely not. The Castellanis, it, it will not happen until the Castellanis are gone. But the Castellanis will be gone someday. Oh, please, please. Um, and I don't know. When the Reds are good, when the Reds are something approaching, I should say if probably, but I'm going to say when the Reds are approaching something like what the Bengals are right now, let me just tell you something. This city will be crazier than they are now. It will be wilder, and 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 people are wild about the Bengals, and I'm, that's awesome. Uh, I've gotten uh, crazy about them 
in recent years, whereas I used to not care at all um, because they're a fun product with a lot of good young stars that are easy to like um, and a guy that can kick the ball to the moon. But um, I just I, I remember what it was like and how hungry Reds for, fans were in 2010. And I just I think if we have when we have a competitive team again, like a real competitive team, not a, you know, not a 2010 team, which frankly was not really a threat to win the series. I just think it's going to be wild. And I think that we're all going to hop back on the bandwagon and uh, it's going to be fun. And I can't wait to be talking about it. I, you know what I was thinking the other night? I cannot wait to be doing an emergency podcast after a playoff game, every after every game. <laughs> just jumping on, talking about the team after every game, breaking down whatever dumb thing Jonathan India did or what great thing Tyler Stevenson did or whatever. So anyway, I'm waxing poetic again, maybe a little bit, but I have to believe that time is coming. I love it. I mean, that that chance, the chance that that does happen is, is why we do this. That's why our Reds fans continue to be Reds fans. And if we're doing those emergency podcasts, podcasts after all the games, then I need to speak to my attorney about what irreconcilable differences actually means. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll, that we'll cross that bridge. Yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, pal. Um, last question, and then uh, then we'll get out of here. But it's a question that dovetails very nicely to what we we're just talking about. Uh, we don't have that right now with the Reds, but James Urban asks, "Can we adopt the Mariners for the postseason?" I'm all in, Mariners Nation, baby. And the answer to that is an unequivocal, absolutely yes. We probably should have a Mariners. Mm-hmm segment on the show every week because gosh I, I, i'm in love with that team my god a, a, a game seven in the world series with luis castillo on the gino for the start gino who is got like 4.2 war right now by the way jesse winker getting these meaningful at bats oh man give it to me pump it directly into my veins oh. i'll take yeah. i'll take a little san diego padres on the nl side if they can get their crap together let me know what Padres Brandon can do for you. Bring it on, man. I'm all for it. Yeah. Um, I hope the Padres can get it together. But uh, this week with the Mariners, you know, they uh, – Abe Hanio Suarez got his 1,000th major league hit, which was a home run. And the, the Mariners' social accounts – I follow the Mariners' social accounts. I mean, what is going on in the world? Because they have so much love for Abe Hanio Suarez that it is just – it oozes through the, the, the phone screen. You know, and I, uh, we all know why. Eugenio Suarez is one of the three most likable Cincinnati Reds players of my lifetime, and arguably the most likable. But they love him already there, and part of that, of course, is because he's playing really well. But I'm so happy for him. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, good vibes only. Uh, good vibes only. Yeah, I just uh, I love that guy. And yes, yes, you absolutely have permission to cheer for the, the Mariners the rest of the way, but you got to be back by opening day with the Reds next year because uh, you know uh, where are you going to go. Any final thoughts, Nate? Um, we did have one more question from Jordan Salisbury. Oh, did I, I, did I miss one? On that. About I the, did. Big, I the big oh. 50. Thanks for calling me out on skipping Jordan on the question I was most uh, excited to read because uh, he's uh, complimentary to me. Jordan, man, I'm sorry, dude. Thank you for catching that, Nate. Jordan Salisbury. Chad, he addressed it to me too. I'm reading the big 50. That's, uh, that's the men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds. I'm reading the Big 50 book and love it. And he, listen, I'm just not saying this. There's an actual exclamation point. There was right an there. exclamation mark. In chapter 28, 
man, there are 28 chapters of that book. Oh, I think there were 50, actually. Uh, you touch on the young pitchers like Jim Maloney, Don Gullett, and Wayne Simpson, all being abused and overused in their early careers, which cut their times their time in the majors ultimately short. It seems Rose did the same with Mario Soto. Was this a problem exclusive to the Reds organization over decades, or did every team treat young, talented arms this way? Um, the answer is every team did it. This was not a, a Reds uh, a Reds thing. The number of players that uh, were great and then flamed out, you know, um, are legion. Uh, Don Golett was, matter of fact, uh, in the, uh, I guess it was the 1975 World Series, uh, Don Golett was just so magnificent that they had, I think it was game seven. I'm pretty sure it was before game seven. And Don Golett started for the Reds and spaceman Bill Lee started for the Red Sox. And they asked Sparky and Reds manager Sparky Anderson, he's like, well, all I know is my pitcher tomorrow is going to the Hall of Fame. And then he kind of left it at that. And to which Bill Lee ended up responding, yeah, I'm going to, you know, uh, Edwards Lounge or something after the game. But but anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, they just – Gary Nolan's another one you can add to that list that mm-hmm. just had their arms blown out and were just so talented. Gary Nolan, I think maybe – I mean, he's like a, a – a Hunter Green type talent, a Hall of Fame type talent. Hey, go look at Gary Nolan's numbers early in his career, and then he's just done before age thirty. So, yeah, it was, but it was every team, uh, but it certainly hit the Reds hard. He, he said Maloney in that question. I thought he was talking about Matt Maloney. I'm like, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't remember that happening or mattering. Here's what here's what's sad, Nate, is that uh, when I read that question, obviously Jim Maloney, one of the greatest Reds pitchers of all time. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm the, I'm the history guy. I love Fred's history. I, I write about it. I talk about it way too much because who cares? But um, when I first read that question, I was like, Matt Maloney? I, I re- Matt Maloney. I mean, how do we even remember that guy, first of all? I should be an obscure, obscure former Red. But Matt Maloney. So, anyway, Jordan, great question. I apologize for uh, trying to skip over you, but Nate, Nate called me out on it. I also don't appreciate Jordan directing a question only to you. There are two of us here, Jordan. I once wrote an email that I'm very proud of, and if you want to read it, let me know. I'll send you a PDF, a PDF. <laughs> oh gosh, Nate, we kind of uh, we kind of went off the rails a little bit here today, but but I had a good time. Did you have a good time? I had way more than I expected to. Well, you know, um, well, I was talking to you. I don't expect so much. That's exactly right. There's a ceiling there. <laughs> I get it. That's fine. It doesn't hurt my feelings. Um, so anyway, the Reds, the Cincinnati Reds, we uh, we follow them, we watch them, we talk about them every single week here at uh, the Riverfront. Please, uh, you know, follow us everywhere. Look, uh, we're on YouTube. Again, go to YouTube. I'm really pleased with how the subscriber numbers are consistently going up, so thank you all for that. But give us a like, give us a subscribe, uh, a, a follow, whatever they call it over there. Subscribe to the channel. Um, but definitely smash that uh, that like button. Really appreciate all of you that do that. And appreciate all of you that comment over there, too. Uh, so that's uh, that's always fun. Yeah. We're at Riverfront Cincy on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. And, of course, we've mentioned our Patreon. Uh, and this show would not be possible. Let me just – I should probably should have said this earlier in the show, and I need to say it more often. This show would not be possible without our uh, our family at Patreon. Uh, you, you guys really make this work. And, and you, you know, actually, you make it fun for me, too. It's something I look forward to doing because we have this great group. And listen, it's a couple bucks a month to join the Slack channel and be part of the family. So if you want to join us, come join us. We have a good time, I promise. Um, all right, that's Nate, you got anything else for us before we get out of here? 
that's it, man. We're uh, you know we're still talking about this team now. We'll we'll do it for the rest of the season, and, and for some reason in the off season, like we'll keep it up for better or worse. Literally forever. We're never gonna stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. Hey, this is uh, Chad Dots. No, how how do I how do I end this thing? Um, I've, I've only done this, this Riverfront forty three times. Chad. Uh, Red I'm Chad Dotson. Radio. Um, no, you're Chad. Or Nate. Oh, that's right. For Nate Dotson and Matt Maloney, this is Chad Dotson saying, so long, everyone. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day. And for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry, with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.